the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As you live out your life for Christ, what does that look like? Does it look like somebody leading others to Christ? Are you participating in the paradox of salvation? These are questions we're exploring today on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand. Join us. And this is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church in Hayward, online at grace-bible.com. Today we continue our exploration of Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. It's part of our series, Arise, Move, and Go. We're looking at lessons for leadership. And these lessons are found, as we mentioned, in these encampments that the Israelites find themselves in each and every time they get up and move. Today, we're continuing with our exploration of the paradox of salvation and how we participate in it. With today's broadcast of Way of Grace, here's Pastor Jesse. Space is needed in all relationships, like pace is needed in all relationships. Did y'all get that? Space is needed in all relationships. You got to know how to pace the relationship because that's what God is doing with Israel. God's pacing them. He's pacing them because he's wanting them to know who he is. He's also spacing them because when we space in the relationship paradigm, we get to really reflect and actually learn what's going on with me, not them. And then when we come back together again, we can come back together with greater clarity of who we are. Am I making some sense? So what God is going to do is space distance between the leaders And the people and tell the people to hang out a minute and do exactly what I stated a few moments ago. Go spend some time with God, leadership. Go spend some time with God. okay? because if you're really going to meet God when it's over with, the people will know that God was among you. So that's the language going on here. Very clear. The Lord said, go on before the people and take with thee the elders of Israel. This here is a call for a hierarchy of submission. So. What I'm loving about what this text is doing is laying out a governmental legislative body that will show up in the 18th chapter, okay? It is a governmental legislative body, almost like ours. So we have a Judeo-Christian framework of jurisprudence in our country that is also framed by our Constitution and our Bill of Rights. And so we have local judges, then we have state judges, and then we have our Supreme Court, do we not? Then we got an executive branch, we have a judicial branch, and we have a legislative branch. All of those are structures to operate in different regions in representation of the people. That's how you organize 1.3 million people in the wilderness. If it's just one person... Governing 1.3 million crazy, knucklehead, 
Egyptians. <laughs> well, as Moses is going to find out in the next chapter, boy, you can't do that. They'll be then woe you out. So what God is doing here is he's going to move the leadership into a place of consecration so that they can enter into a deeper revelation of God's sufficiency. And then they will know how to deliberate that when they go out and do their civil duties among the people. Did that make some sense? Very, very, very important here. So he says, and the Lord says, go on before the people and take with you the elders of Israel. I, I, I like this sub point A in our outline practice submission and trust as a what? A model, a model. So remember, and, and whenever you and I take up the concept of modeling, I hope you have time for me. Whenever you're taking up the concept of modeling, what you are talking about doing is being accountable. It's called accountability. The moment that you understand that you don't get to hide, you don't get to maintain yourself in the corners, in the, in the shadows. Once you are publicly established, you are a model because people are looking at you way too constantly not to appeal to not only who you are in terms of your title, but who you are in terms of your life and who you are in terms of your decision making. Your model this is why a husband is a model. This is why a wife is a model. This is why the single person is a model of singlehood. And a man is a model of a man. And a woman is a model of a woman that we'll all get into deeply because all that is under attack now. All that's under attack now. And so when you and I don't know our purpose for which God called us, we don't know how to prepare to be that which God has called us to be and therefore not reach the highest level of our potential for him who has called us to be his Imago Day in the world. So what we have under subpoint A is a practice submission of trust as a model. And what I love about this is, you know, the Old Testament is always pointing where to the new, you know, the Old Testament model of of narrative is going to show us something that will show up in the New Testament as a kind of fulfillment theme, fulfillment theme. Moses in this context is pointing to who? Jesus, because Jesus is the greater Moses over all of God's people. And Jesus did the same thing that Moses is doing here. This is also going to show you how Jesus is himself in his own right. God, Moses is being called up to God, is he not? The elders are being called up to God by God. Look at Mark chapter three, verse 13. Saw this years ago. It's a beautiful thing. Um, And this is Jesus. The he here is Jesus in this context. You guys see it? And he, that is Jesus, does what? Goes up into a mountain. Now, this is Jesus walking away from the people because the people are down on the plains, right? He goes up into a mountain. Jesus goes up into a mountain. Like Moses goes up into a mountain. He'll do this several times. Jesus goes up into a mountain. And what does Moses begin? Uh, Jesus begins to do. And he calleth unto him whom he would. And he's calling unto him whom he would. Now, either Jesus is a legitimate authority or he's some absolute Jim Jones insane fool. But if he's God in the flesh, if he's the voice of the living God, if he is the representation of the invisible God, he's calling. And with that power, somebody's coming. I don't know if you know, but Jesus sits on the mountain of his father's glory right now. 
and he's been calling men and women for the last 2,000 years, come up hither. I heard his voice at 19 years old. I saw his glory. He was high and lifted up, seated on his throne. God pulled back the heavens and the word of the living God drew me to himself. Do you know anything about that? That's how you know, you know him to be who he really is. The Lord said, sit at my right hand until I subdue all your enemies. And I'm one of his enemies he subdued. I was tearing up his world. He said, oh, no, no, no. I need you on my team, young man. And he called me like he calls some of you. And here he is. Notice what it says. And he called unto them whom he would. And they what? And they came unto him. This is called the grace of God and the power of the gospel. This is the grace of God. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Do y'all see that? Everyone that comes to Jesus is the one that's coming because God is drawing them by his mercy. No man can come unto me except my father which sent me draw him. But it's coming through the preaching of the word. It happened to you. It happened to me. And it's still happening to men and women around the world. Now, notice the ascent up into the mountain because they're coming from the plains among the common people, right? They're making their way up the hill. Are they making their way up the hill? They're not going down into a valley. They're not hiding as they make their way up. They're letting everybody know in the world, Jesus is calling me. Right? You must not be ashamed of the gospel. Let everybody down in the valley call you a fool all they want. The Lord Jesus is about to call you to freedom and purpose. Because if you read the following verses, he's going to anoint the 12 and then 70, and they're going out to do works in his name. So he's calling them out of the world unto himself as he calls you and me out of the world. In fact, the church is called the ecclesia, the called out ones. There's a real sense in which you must know your sanctification unto God. That your job is not to just live in this world willy nilly. And you you actually have to have a comfort level of what it means to be called unto, unto. It's called sanctification. He sets us apart unto himself. We ought to be happy about that. Right. Because you will not be made qualified until you spend time with Christ. So very important to know this. I love what's happening here. Notice what it says in uh, sub point B again, the practice of submission and trust as a model. And I want you to mark very quickly that the model here is going to first start with Moses. And it's going to start with Moses, not towards the common people, but toward the leadership. Did that make some sense? It's going to start with Moses, not toward uh, the common people, but toward the leadership. And look at what it says here in our text. In verse uh, verse uh, five, and the Lord said unto Moses, go on before the people and take with the of the elders of Israel and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thy hand and go. So there's going to be several components here that will take place. God is going to tell Moses to go. He's going to tell the leadership to go with him. And he's going to tell Moses to bring the rod with him. Now, there's a reason for this, ladies and gentlemen, and we can see this under subpoint B in your outline. Once we practice submission and trust as a model, what God is going to prepare us to do is learn the mystery of mediation. So let me explain that to you just in case you don't know. Uh, mediation, the mediatorial work of, 
of any institution is where the leadership employs means by which the commodity or the product or the end result, their clients or their customers have their needs met. Does that make some sense? Mediation is such a general and ubiquitous concept that we don't think it through much. But God almost always uses means to get his work done. This will often cause your agnostic or your atheist or the proud, arrogant person to question whether or not it's a God, because God will frequently use means. In fact, when God says, I want the earth to be filled and and replenished with men and women, it's not God just going hocus pocus and folks is coming into the world. He's using a mechanism of mediation. He created a man. He created a woman. He told them how to come together for the purposes of procreation. He blesses that union. Are you hearing me? He blesses that union. Whenever God wants an institution to emerge in his name, guess what he does? He raises up leadership. And when he raises up leadership, they serve a mediatorial role. Did you know also that when it comes to children, children are all the reward of the Lord. They are the fruit of the Lord. They are his. They're just on loan from God to you. Y'all don't know that. Y'all act like they're yours. Like they just came straight from your womb. God had nothing to do with it. No, God had everything to do with it. And you are a mediation between God and them to raise those children in a way in which they see God through you. Because you got to answer to God for being a mediator. Am I making some sense? And when we, when we stratify that concept, when we stratify that concept across almost every kind of business or institution, it always has layers of mediation. The top CEOs and owners of the company are not putting their hands directly on the product. It's getting done through mediation. So what God did with Moses was teach Moses about mediation. When he went in to request a Pharaoh to let God's people go, he sent Aaron with him, didn't he? Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Then he says, what is that rod that you have in your hand? Didn't he say that? He says, I'm going to use that rod as a model of mediation because the rod in the Bible represents authority. It represents strength. It represents government. There's nothing in the rod. It's all in God. But God uses the rod. He uses the rod. So what God is about to do with Moses is use Moses as a model to leadership to first remind leadership that Moses was the man that God called out. He's about to remind leadership because leadership in just a few chapters is going to act the fool too. What he's going to do is show leadership that the man I chose was Moses, not you. No, he has to do that because, you know, leadership act crazy too. We know that. No, I want them to come. But Moses, I want you out in front. This is not a democracy. This is a theocracy. And you're my man, Moses, and bring your rod, because if I need you to beat them down, I need you to turn around and beat them down. I know you got some anger issues, so I can turn that on at will. All right, so Moses is out in front. The people are behind. Now, I've always said this, that God never tells you and me to do anything that he doesn't do first. 
God never, 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 never does that. So here in the situation, if you look at verse six, behold, I will stand before you there. Do you see verse six? Something is happening here in terms of the hierarchy and the structure. And that's this. God is setting a hierarchy between Moses and the leadership, between the leadership and the people, but between God and Moses. Technically, when you look at the order of events here, God is in front of Moses. Did y'all get that? So God himself moves in front of Moses. He says, I will stand before you. He says, uh, there upon that rock in Horeb, he's pointing to Moses where he needs to go. But God is going out in front of Moses to stand in front of the rock. Now, I've taught you this before, that the blessed triune God is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And that the Father is always invisible. He is never seen visibly. He never leaves his throne. He is the immutable, unchangeable first person. We know him as the one that sits on his throne. And Jesus is his messenger. He is the revelation of the invisible God. He is the visible Yahweh. He's the one that comes down. He's the one that moves. He's the one that acts. He's the one that shepherds. He's the one that leads. That's why Jesus will say things like, Moses, he know who I was. Abraham saw my day. Everybody understood who the angel of the Lord was. Jesus is moving out in front of them to actually create an optic and an event that's going to teach the elders as well as the people of Israel how God works when they are in need. Y'all following me? So whenever, again, this is a very important thing. Whenever you think God is telling you to do something, Always understand if you get irrational or perturbed or twisted about it, why I got to do that? Well, ask yourself, did Jesus do it? There won't be anything that God will ask you to do that Christ didn't do for you. Now, there will be many things that God will not ask you to do. Just think that through. He's not asking you to do everything. In fact, If I may get a witness, God is so good to us that he very seldom is telling us strictly and acutely and in any detailed way what to do. Is that true? When you think about the, the, the grace of God within the parameters of our freedom, the freedom that we have inside the parameters of his will, he gives you and I a lot of wiggle room to figure things out. Am I making some sense? And he's not always on top of you, giving you every point of instruction to do what he wants you to do because he didn't create you as some kind of stupid uh, Autobahn by which all he has to do is say, hit a button and you do this or do that. You are created with intelligence. You are created with rationale. You're created with thinking capacities. Then you're also uh, created with responsibility and authority. He is, he is engaging you. The spirit of God is constantly working with your conscience. 
but he's given you a mind and a heart that knows how to reason, rationale, work through ideas and understand your responsibility within frameworks and scopes of him calling you. This also is where sometimes you might struggle with what God's will is. Well, so I'm going to just drill down just a little bit with that. Now, you know, you would think that if we just, Lord, I don't know what your will is. Will you just tell me? No, I ain't telling you. I'm not, it's not coming like that. Now, you already know that. Stop. You already know how much better off in our own mind we would be if every time we were stuck in a dilemma, we just asked God and boom, right away, they go to answer. That's not our walk with God. Our walk with God is that we will wrestle with issues. And then we, if we are humble enough, we will ask God to help us with those issues. And God will say, read your Bible. (laughs) He will say, I left you a text long time ago on that one. Just find the text where I talk to you about what you should be doing. Sometimes in the text, all God is saying is, go talk to somebody else. The text will say, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. The text will say that you, he that seeketh wisdom from the wise, he himself, she herself will become wise. So the text will tell you how to negotiate an answer to the situation, but it might take time. But what that's doing is challenging you at the level of responsibility. Because I can tell you, my American brothers and sisters, they don't like being responsible for anything. They want to clown. But they don't want to be responsible. And then there are some of us that are struggling with responsibility just at the human level of all kinds of predicaments and traumas and challenges in our life. Is that true? So then for us, being able to make decisions is not real easy. It's not real easy, but God's not going to let you off the hook. Because if you remember the way I opened up our, our lesson today, I said... Freedom is not the end game. God's purpose in your life is the end game. Every one of God's people is being called to growth and maturity and wisdom and virtue. So you can execute your calling in whatever field God has placed you. This would run us down into a whole bunch of other areas of implications that are really wonderful. I've talked about this with us before in terms of God giving you and me different lots, different inheritances different opportunities to use our gifts. And I've talked about this years ago. I'm not going to stay on this long, but the way God works is when a man or woman really understands God's mechanisms of guiding them, if you are faithful in little, he'll make you faithful in more. Right, right. But what we're talking about is a process of relationship with God by which he's developing character in you. Because character is critical to leadership because when the pressure comes down, God has to have leadership that's not collapsing under the pressure. And our government, again, my my government, pray for my government because our leaders have collapsed decades ago under the pressure of other foreign powers and largely money. They've collapsed. Have no integrity. Many of our leaders are collapsed leaders 
with no integrity. It amazes me because you might think I'm just pontificating. I'm not. I meet quite a few people in positions of authority. We have them among us. And they are frequently telling me about the incompetency of the environment that they're working in. Now, we already know it. We already know the noetic effect of sin. We know theologically uh, garbage in, garbage out. We know that if men and women are wasting their time walking in darkness, imbibing error and falsehood and heresy and all kinds of distorted concepts, that is going to show up at the workplace. You cannot be a fool and exercise wise decision making. That's the world we're in. And I, I'm pushing that out against us even at the, at the micro level. Don't, 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 don't volunteer to be this or that or the other thing without being willing to go into the crucible and be developed by God so that you can walk in maturity in that calling that he's called you to. We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe, worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510-886-886. 9782. Reach out to us by mail if you want to write 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is 94541. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's Word, growing in His grace. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.